here we are on the Chef John podcast. I am your co-host. Uh, I am here to introduce our host, who is known to many of you as Chef John. His real name is John Mitsowich, and he has a very charming story that he will tell you all about and how he used it to seduce his wife. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to uh, my friend and my co-host, Chef John Mitsowich. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Thank you, Andrew, for that uh, fine introduction. Uh, one quick correction. It wasn't to seduce, it was to meet, and then shortly thereafter, seduce. Yes, I think there was about an eight or nine minute window in there, or something like that. Michelle, you can't <laughs> laugh. So, uh, yes, we have the, uh, the participant in that seduction uh, laughing in the background, which is amazing. Yeah, it was probably the, uh, maybe the, the best use of a Belarusian uh, surname in uh, line cook history. Excellent. So, I, which I used to tell uh, people was Ukrainian, but I, 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 I'm d I've done some research. But anyway, yes, uh, would you like to hear that? <laughs> would you like to hear we that will, tale? We will circle back to that tale. Okay. I think people, people who do not know either you or I would be very interested to know why these two middle-aged men are deciding to start a podcast uh, out of the blue. So before I introduce myself, I want you to introduce yourself and let us know exactly what it is that Chef John is and has been doing all these years. Well, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip what Chef John is for now because I, I haven't quite figured that out yet. <laughs> but what I do is uh, recipe videos, which I've been doing for almost 15 years, uh, mostly on YouTube. Uh, I was uh, a cook, a chef. I went to culinary school and uh, eventually dropped out of uh, teaching at a culinary school to attempt to teach cooking online with a uh, highly discounted culinary school, online culinary school. And when that didn't quite work out, when I figured out no one wanted to pay for, you know, cooking lessons online, I started just doing videos for free on YouTube. And one thing led to another. And uh, I can't fully explain it, but I went from tens to thousands to hundreds of thousands of subscribers. And I do uh, two videos every week, and uh, we're just about to go over 4 million uh, subscribers. So uh, that's pretty much what I do slash all I do. I think that you are modest in your uh, assessment of your YouTube fame. Uh, you are clearly an OG on the, on the YouTube front. So I will introduce myself and concurrently with Chef John's 15 years with being an online personality, I have been a food photographer, mostly of note of being one of the primary photographers for the New York Times. Uh, I have clearly been on this scene for about the same amount of time. And Chef John and I met because both of us were starting to get enlisted into uh, food blogging conferences. So uh, we actually met, I believe it was in New Orleans. New Orleans, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was dangerous. It was clearly really dangerous. We spent a month there one weekend. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we um, ended up just sort of tagging along with all the female food bloggers who were much younger, much prettier, and sort of much more energetic than either of us was. And we, uh, we got dragged around to quite a few places that, that evening in New Orleans, including several um, gentlemen's clubs, <laughs> sitting at a table full of young women, which was entertaining, embarrassing, and just 
something we are now f- talking about 15 years exactly. later on a podcast. Not to jump in with a bonus anecdote, but that's one of my favorite New Orleans stories of all time. When we walked up to the doorman, we were supposed to meet someone at the Larry Flint Club. And he's like, uh, which one? There's two on this block, uh, regular or the barely legal? And we're like, that's Bourbon. I guess that's Bourbon Street. I mean, I, I, that, that was indeed. He's like, Bourbon is he kidding? He's like, no, he's not kidding. There's one there and there's one there. Yeah, that's that's absolutely the truth. And Thank God I remember very little of that. I, I, yeah, after that, it was just a blur pretty much from that point on. John and I have uh, performed together on occasion over the years at these blogger conferences. We formed a friendship that has uh, sort of surpassed our um, professional sort of interactions and have known each other for quite a while at this point. Um, we have been dying to do something together. We've been dying to work together again. And uh, we have decided that the best format for us to do that in is here with you. And the fact is, as the food world grew up around us, um, our stories and our kind of our interactions with lots of people and a lot of people who have become relatively famous are here for us to kind of talk about. So we have uh, quite a few experiences in our personal backgrounds, as well as our professional backgrounds that we think you might find amusing. And I lead off by saying, John, uh, as your friend, I, I, I remember one thing that we've done together that will always stick in my mind is we were coming back from a, a food conference in Seattle. And I was going to return to San Francisco with you. And I decided, okay, I'm going to drive with John. So we got in the car and we started driving from Seattle to San Francisco, which is what, about 12 hours, eight hours? I don't remember how long it was. It was literally- Depends on how many diners you hit. That's true. I have to tell you something. I have never taken a shorter trip in my life because (laughs) John entertained me, regaled me with stories from the- (laughs) The minute we left Seattle to the minute we pulled up to his apartment in San Francisco, and it was amazing. John, let's circle back to our opener. Tell us the story about you and Michelle meeting and how that your first meeting turned into the eight minute seduction. You know, many, many chef stories need embellishing and it's almost, you know, insulting to the audience not to. This one is like the one where you have to tone it down so people think it actually sounds realistic. <laughs> so like, you know, it's a, it's a great sort of romantic story. It happens on a Valentine's weekend. You know, like all these details seem to just fit perfectly. Anyway, I, uh, I'd worked at a restaurant in San Francisco called Ryan's Cafe. Uh, one of the first places, you know, after Chez Panisse that actually like printed a menu every day, like right the beginnings of California cuisine. And, but anyway, I left there, hadn't worked there in years and years. I got an emergency phone call. John, I know I'm talking to you in forever. Chef just hurt himself pretty bad. We're just completely in the weeds uh, this weekend. Can you, you know, can you come in and work? No problem. So I go into work and just by happenstance, uh, that happened to be Michelle's first day on the job in the charcuterie, which was in the bottom floor of the restaurant. So, you know, line cooks being line cooks, uh, one of the, one of my buddies, old buddies there says, Hey, did you see the new, uh, the new lady in the, in the charcuterie? Um, I said, yeah, then, you know, pretty, pretty, not, not hard to look at. What's her, what's her name? That's Michelle. And then he said, you know, which I thought was kind of odd at the time. He said, um, her name is Michelle Manfredi. Uh, be careful. That's uh, Calabrese. He was Italian. And, uh, 
And he's like, you know, they're known for so some comment like they're known for witchcraft. I mean, some you know, stupid. But anyway, <laughs> the point is, he mentioned her her last name. Oh, and that's what he said. He said uh, it actually means cold hands. He was trying to like work a like witchcrafting. I don't know, like he was going to scare me. So anyway, uh, one of the things we did there at the restaurant whenever we wanted to interact with some of the servers, we would we would have them bring us a drink into the kitchen. That was like our one chance. So anyway, Michelle got to bring us two or three drinks, you know, sodas in through the evening. So, uh, you know, kind of, you know, interacting a little bit after the shift, we're at the, at the wine bar having our shift drink and we get formally introduced and, you know, hello, Michelle Manfredi. Hello, John Mitsuwich. And out of the blue, she says, Mitsuwich, is that like, what, what is that? Is that right? Ru- ru- you know, I said, I think it's Ukrainian, maybe Russian. We're not quite sure. Uh, nowadays, I think it's Belarusian. Anyway, um, and then she says, does it mean something? Now, that's such an odd question because has anyone ever, you know, asked what your last name means? I mean, but I guess because her name means something, that's just come to find out over the years, she does like to find out what people's names mean. But anyway, at the time, I'm like, well, actually, and I just flash back to the beginning of the shift when I heard her name meant cold hands. So I, you know, I, I was like, you know what? My grandfather used to tell us, and I, it kind of roughly translates to, warm mittens or mittens that are warm or you know something like that. I'm not quite sure but basically it's like warm mittens mitzvah so and her just her jaw drops and she, she's just staring at me and I said wow what's wrong she's like my last name's Manfredi and I'm I'm like okay nice name well she's like you know what that means Italian I'm like I, I don't speak Italian she's like that means cold hands and I'm like, get the F out of here. I was like, you've you got to be pulling my leg, right? You just said that. I said, my name's Mormon. She's like, she's got her license out. She's like, man, Freddie. She's like trying to prove it to me. So I'm like, this is unbelievable. What are the odds, Valentine's weekend, we meet just under these circumstances. Your name means cold hands. And my name probably translates to warm mittens. I was like, we have to go out, get a drink. So we got a drink the next night. Um, and a day after that, literally I moved into her apartment. <laughs> now in fairness, she did need a roommate. It wasn't like, you know, the great Casanova yeah. story of all time. So, you know, circumstances, but anyway, we've been, we've literally almost literally been together, uh, every day since. And that was, so the years. bigger, the bigger question is how long did it take for you to confess? Well, that that's you- the funny thing. Part of her didn't want to believe it was a pickup line. <laughs> Since I explained like a couple days later, I thought she picked up that it was kind of a shtick at the time, but apparently not. It was hook, line, and sinker. So uh, I hear her on the phone with her mom. Uh, I'm in another room and she's, I met a guy and he's, you know, by the way, new roommate. And uh, funny story, his name means warm mittens and I'm cold hands. Isn't that crazy? And I'm like, so after the call, I was like, Michelle, we've got to go over something here. That was 100% pure line cook pickup line. But it was so good, she didn't care. She's like, oh my God, that was genius. One of the motivations for this is also to be able to, like I said, share some of the funny stories that we've been sharing with each other all these years as friends. And John clearly has been sharing with a fairly large audience over the years. So tell me a funny story, Chef John. Well, one, okay. Well, one, oh, and by the way, to finish up the first anecdote officially, I don't know for a fact my name doesn't mean warm mittens. There it is. We um, need some Belarusian audience members to. That's right. Possibly Ukrainian. Yeah, possibly um, so, Ukrainian. 
I think one, one funny story I have, which I think is one of my favorite subjects in general when it comes to food, are dinners out at restaurants that are so tragic, so terrible, that they go from being like an unpleasant experience to you're actually having fun. You're actually, it's a story you tell for decades. And Michelle and I had that experience a few years ago in San Francisco at a restaurant called Cook Shop. They spelled Cook Shop with like the E at the end. So it's like, like old, ye old English cook shop, like that's uh, so not San Franciscan in any way, shape or form. So anyway, we, we walk into the place. Now, mind you, this was a, a casual neighborhood restaurant called Chow that I, I think we've been to before. Um, was like the neighborhood cafeteria, just, you know, just you knew what you were going to get. So what replaced it was this New York entrepreneurial restaurateur with a sketchy partner was going to come to San Francisco, open up five properties in, in a year. Like this was like these grandiose plans. So this was the first, the first one called cook shop mistake. Number one. Anyway, we walk in and what I can describe best is like a, a used car salesman in a, just a, um, you know, a, a leisure, leisure suit is not the right word. A, a, a strangely out of fashion suit. I'll just put it that way. Okay. Like, I get it. Just hits us, comes right up in our faces and like, Hey, how you doing? You and the little lady want a table? Like it was like, I was, you had, I had a way to beat to see if it is this like, is he putting me on? But that was actually his approach. So like the opposite of chow where they barely noticed you and you had it like, you know, very good care. They didn't really care if you were there or not. So anyway, bring, yeah, we're here for two of us. love a table. So he sits us down and uh, he is so loud and so over the top, like I've opened a new restaurant and I'm really going to greet everyone like a lot and hard. And so that was like the first thing. And we were sitting semi near the door. So we got this, like everyone got the, hey, how you doing? So uh, that was the first thing. So we start, we look in the menu and uh, the first course I order, which I almost never ordered deviled eggs, but they were deviled egg lettuce cups. I'm like, I've never heard of that, a deviled egg in a lettuce cup. That actually, let's order one of those. So order one of those and it comes to the table and there's no lettuce on the plate. So Michelle and I are kind of looking at each other. <laughs> I was like, uh, excuse me, sir. So I asked the, you know, the, the host slash, he was trying to be also be a waiter because they were just completely in a cluster F about the service. It was just, it was just basically a soft opening. Um, so uh, no lettuce. Oh, let me talk to the chef. Comes back. Uh, the, no one was eating the lettuce. They, they actually took it off. I said, well, that's, that's fine. I said, you might want to make that little update on your menu since that's literally why I ordered the dish. So that was the first thing. The deviled eggs were just nondescript. So I ate deviled eggs, not lettuce cup deviled eggs. Uh, then I ordered lasagna bolognese, one of my favorites. With it, somehow, for some reason, came garnished on the menu, says uh, garnished with an eight ounce meatball odd choice for bolognese. So anyway, that comes to the table and uh, there is a meatball on top, but the lasagna itself is vegetarian, just a, um, a tomato marinara and, and ricotta cheese and just, uh, you know, some mozzarella, not anything remotely close to a bolognese. Again, I have to ask the server, just curious, ordered, love a good meat sauce, not even close to, uh, let me, let me ask the chef comes back. You know what? They changed that. Uh, the meatball on top is basically the meat of the dish now. So they just do it with a plain sauce. I said, well, that's a, an interesting concept. I'm all for experimentation, but 
the, the problem is the menu clearly says lasagna bolognese <laughs> and the meatball garnish is really odd since the meatball garnish is actually listed in the menu. So how does that switch from both? Anyway, the meatball was like a, a you know, to call it a, a rubber ball would insult balls made of rubber. So we go through the whole meal like that. Michelle's dinner, not good. Everything was like, oh, the chef changed that. That wasn't selling. So we, we switched, you know, the arugula for the, you know, instead of little gem, it's arugula. Like everything was just off, completely off. And what made it worse is Mr. Used Car Salesman would come to the table to apologize every time after these like at least half dozen blatant restaurant errors, which didn't make it any better because he was still like, hey, you know what? We're going to make it right for you. We want you to be happy. So it's like, well, you're not making me happy at all coming to the table because you uh, by the way, the people that sat down next to us sat for 20 minutes, didn't see one person, left 10 bucks on the table, got up and walked out. So like, that's what we're watching around us while we're, we're like, well, at least we got bad food. So by now we're kind of silly and, you know, we're making the best of it. Uh, the wine list was like listed by no rhyme or reason. It was like, you know, American, French, Oregon. Uh, some, some categories were like by the grape, some were by the type of, it was just like, nothing was right. It was like someone just like in a drug stupor, like type this menu <laughs> up. Uh, so anyway, at the end of the meal, the guy comes up and he knows we have not had a good experience and they just don't, but see, he's like, you know what? I'm going to get you guys dessert. And I said, you know what? Absolutely do not want dessert. Just would love, just would love to check. Uh, not don't, don't want to be short with you. Just, we've got you know, things to do anyway waiting for the check, five minutes goes by, 10 minutes goes by. We see people at the terminal, clearly don't know how to use the terminal to get a check printed, having trouble. Anyway, so here comes used car salesman with a, a plate of uh, tiramisu. You know what, we're having a little issue. I, I, I know you said no, sir, but you just, you gotta try the dessert. I said, you know what, we really did not want dessert. Just leaves it on the table anyway. You know, all right, we gotta wait for the stupid check, take a couple bites. Finally, 10 minutes later, the check comes where he charged me for the tiramisu. <laughs> so at the end of this tragically horrible meal, uh, so I got to call him over again. Excuse me, sir. I just don't want to make a thing. I, I was tempted just to pay it, get out of there. Uh, could you just delete this dessert that you forced me to eat that I didn't want and then charge me for it? Oh my God, how did that, you know, blaming the waiter. Goes back another 10 minutes at the terminal. Can't quite get the buttons right. We finally get the check, finally pay, finally leave. A um, couple weeks later, we hear he's been arrested uh, with uh, like fraud charges. They were, it was like a total, they weren't paying people, weren't paying vendors. I don't know if it was just a, they were just like, you know, busting the place out. Like who knows what they were doing. Uh, yeah, they were serving alcohol without a license. Like, you know, you name it, they did it wrong. And I, that's the last, I didn't follow up on the, these clowns, but uh, I think their dream of opening, you know, five restaurants in San Francisco in one year probably didn't quite work out. I think you might've been one of maybe seven or eight people who actually ate at Cook That Chow. actually got food there. Yeah. A lot of the old employees that used to work at Chow were, so we recognized some faces and they had this look like, is this happening? Like they didn't. <laughs> Are we serving lettuce cup deviled eggs with no lettuce, but we're not telling anyone? Like, they clearly were not going to reprint any menus. They were just going to see if people went with it. Um, it was just one, one mistake after another. And then, the, you know, the, 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 the cherry on the Sunday was the, you know, making me pay for the dessert I didn't want. By the way, kids out there, if you open in a restaurant and it ends in shop, just 
S-H-O-P. We spoke at a food conference together in Seattle. I think it was prior to the trip we took in the car that we spoke about earlier. And I was wearing a live mic and walked into a bathroom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I want you to tell that story because it is a story that comes up quite often when we're together. Well, so, rem- remind me, remind me of the details there. Because like I said, I, as you know, drank heavily throughout all these conferences. This is true. Um, okay. So John and I were doing a, uh, a workshop for a room of, I would say, close to 200, maybe 250 people. It was a double ballroom filled with people in a hotel in Seattle that we were doing this conference for. And John is going to do a cooking demonstration and I'm on stage with him and I'm then going to do a food photography demonstration. And we're taking turns speaking to the audience. So at a certain point, John is on stage. I step off. We're both mic'd and I forget to take off my microphone and walk into the bathroom. Now, I didn't go into the bathroom, do anything but wash my hands. Thank goodness. Because throughout the situation, John is narrating my trip to the bathroom because everyone in the audience can hear me because my mic is still live. So from your perspective, what was that situation like? <laughs> well, the funny thing is, I think most of the, most of the time, uh, like you just said, you just washed your hands. We could hear the running water clearly. Uh, now, unless you're an expert at these type things, Washing hands and you know, this is true, relieving yourself very, very similar type sound effects. So, I wasn't quite sure. I think we erred on the side of you, were just washing your hands, but I, I was actually trying to still cook and like talk about the salmon. And then, oh, it sounds like he's finishing up, and you know, so it was like because no one was paying attention to me, they're like, Where's this going? Um, and I think, and I don't blame them knowing us and especially if they'd seen our act before, uh, probably thought we set that up ahead of time. Since Absolutely. That totally sounds like something we would do, but it totally was not. It was like, so I think the, the, the funniest thing for me was just trying to, uh, I couldn't just stand there and just do nothing except narrate your hand watching. <laughs> so I was trying to still slice the salmon and do what I was doing. And we were doing like a little kind of sashimi thing and you were going to, you were going to photo it when you came back. Um, but anyway, I think we were all relieved, pun intended, that uh, that's as far as it went. And I believe you got a fairly nice ovation when you. Oh my God! They, that they, was like, that might have been your biggest ovation of the weekend. The, no question, the biggest <laughs> the biggest ovation of the weekend was when I. Yeah, his photography's good, but man, right. this, I got the material in, I, from the bathroom was can't miss. When I came back into that room, it was literally the best ovation I've ever had in front of an audience, bar none. They went wild because, I mean, th- we gave them the full Chef John <laughs> Andrew experience at that point. Well, and the it funny was- thing is, I was just about to say, um, we could go back and watch that because the the uh, organizers, and I, I use the term loosely, they put that uh, conference together every year, would videotape it, obviously. But ours, for some reason, that one was just a black screen. I don't know if you remember that. We we weren't able to watch that because you're like, I would love to see that, you know. And I think that was lost forever. And uh, all we had was maybe a, a dozen uh, halfway decent 
food food blogger reminiscences of the of the event. Yes, I, I think we definitely appeared on quite a few food <laughs> blogs that weekend. Because, With nothing to do with our fine no. plating or, and or your fine photography lesson. Nothing at all. Which is fine. I think um, that one sort of sealed the this sort of legend of us working together on a stage because we had we you know we had put together a couple of you know fairly entertaining sort of segments at these food blogger conferences in the past. Um, but that one sort of was the topper. To be fair, we put together nothing. We just walked up on stage and started being us. That's like true. We would be, if we were in a kitchen cooking, we'd be saying the same thing. So that was the, that was the easy part of it. We didn't even have to try to do anything. I guess that was the beauty of it too, right? We got that, that sort of the, the credibility of saying, oh, they, they must have planned that. Right. Just like when the sponsor's blender broke in Portland and I was trying to blend that gazpacho and for about five minutes, I forgot they were a sponsor. And I'm like, this thing was a piece of crap. You know, it's like trying not to be too rude. Uh, but anyway, yeah, those, uh, I mean, I guess they still do those. I think there was a, that was sort of the golden age of food blogger conferences. I think we have time for one more Chef John story. So uh, what would you like to regale us with? Well, uh, uh, one that just popped into my head because you mentioned food bloggers. Um, when we weren't doing big shows together, you know, and I'm sure you were on a few of them too, they, people would organize these small little food blogger get togethers at a certain city to promote a certain thing. So uh, Michelle and I were lucky enough to get to go to one in New Orleans. Uh, just, you know, maybe I would say 10 food bloggers, different parts the country that was after the big oil spill oh, right. and they wanted okay. to bring they wanted to bring some folks down to show you can eat our seafood and not die instantly it might five ten years from now but you're you'll be okay you get a couple of zazeracks in you to kill anything so anyway we, we were on this uh what was it called a fam tour familiarity they just take you around and one of the stops was commander's palace which i was very excited just probably if I had to pick a favorite restaurant in New Orleans, that, that's probably it. And as you know, not super easy to get into. And I, you know, you know me, I, unlike you, I don't overly stress on the uh, attire. Pretty much the first thing I reach for and grab, that's the shirt I'm wearing. What are you trying to say? I, uh, I, no, you, I, you, you, you pay attention. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not, I won't go, I won't go Metro, but you, you know, you give it some thought. So anyway, ironically, this time I'm like, you know, at Commander's Palace, I'm going to actually put on, and it's, like it always is. It's like 92, 104% humidity. So, but still, I'm going to put on a nice dress shirt, button down shirt. I'm not going to, I will not wear a t-shirt or a polo. I'm going to be nice. Um, nice uh, khaki shorts, decent shoes, socks, not black socks with the light. You know, I, I, I worked the whole outfit out. We take our little shuttle bus to Commander's Palace. It's a, a special brunch. They're having places completely packed. But they, you know, they got room for our group and the PR women, you know, they're, they're always buzzing around, making sure everything's perfect. And uh, we walk in and Michelle and I were the last ones in and I get the stop from the, the host is they're about to see people. Excuse me, sir. I got to, can you, I got to pull you aside for a second. And they let the other folks go in. I'm like, what did I, I haven't even had a drink yet. What did I do? So uh, the, the, the woman says, uh, and I think it was actually the owner's daughter. I forget the names, terrible with names. Anyway. I'm sorry, sir, but we cannot let you in in shorts. And I said, what? You know, there's a strict dress, dress code here. Long pants, collar shirt. Uh, you got half of it, but I cannot let you in. So now our group has kind of stopped because they see, you know, I'm not coming with them. And they're like, 
do we keep going? What's going on? Uh, she said, I'm, I'm sorry, we can let the rest of the group in, but you, you're not able to join them. Uh, so I'm like, and it's probably 40 minutes to get back to the hotel and then come back. And I don't want them waiting to eat. So I'm like, I'm going to take one for the team. I'm going to hang out on the bus. I'll do some semi-entertaining uh, tweets about not eating at Commander's Palace. And it's all good. I'll, you guys can tell me about it. Bring me a doggy bag. Anyway, so they, you know, pretending to be reluctantly, they go to their table. But secretly, they're like, screw that guy. You should have wore pants. So <laughs> the host comes back to Michelle and I. And I'm, you know, kind of about, Michelle, just go eat with them. I'll be in the bus. What's going to be two hours? You know, like, I'll, I'll be fine. So she says, you know what? I have, I have an idea. Um, let, let the rest of the group go up. I'll be back in a few minutes. So she comes back and gets Michelle and I. She says, you know what? Uh, you are maybe the luckiest person in New Orleans on this given day because the chef's table in the kitchen is open, which it's never open. That is by far the hardest ticket restaurant table to get in New Orleans is the chef's table at Commander's Palace. But for whatever reason today, the chef's table's open. There was actually a guest chef in the kitchen that was doing this brunch. Um, and for whatever reason, they decided not to book the chef's table because they didn't feel like they could entertain. That's like a big deal. So Michelle and I get brought to the chef's table in the kitchen. So by not adhering to the dress code, now all of a sudden I have the best table in New Orleans while the rest of the food bloggers are stuck in some corner because there was like no room for that, you know, just shove somewhere. And the funny thing is they kept coming down to check on me, you know, oh, it's too bad. And I, and I, but then they would see where we were and they're like, you bastard, how do you have this? <laughs> this worked out. So they're like, no, we want to be in the chef's table. Anyway, we had the most amazing meal. In fact, I'm, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not going to win any words for the actual food blogging, but that's one of my proudest food blogs where I actually recorded the meal, took all the pictures, wrote things. things. And yeah, one of the kids in the student, like, Chef John? Uh, was it the, from the Culinary Academy? Was one of my students. Nice. nice. Uh, the chef brought everything to our table. We heard about the, all the food. I have uh, it to was ask like a one question, of those, though. Yeah. Does Michelle, does Michelle Manfredi going to demand a producing credit for all the, no, the and we're gonna she's giving her, you? I'm going to try to keep her. No, no. Don't keep her quiet. Because oh, you want this in there. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, she, like, yeah she's going to definitely like, need an executive uh, producer credit. Yeah. I think she needs a producer in lieu, credit in lieu, in lieu of cash. Um, but anyway, so I wrote a blog post pantsless at commander's palace. And it was probably the, my, the favorite food blog I've ever written, um, setting the scene. And, and again, the whole irony is I put on nice shorts and a dress shirt cause I wanted to look presentable and knew it was a fancy quote unquote, but who knew New Orleans, you think shorts, a nice pair of dress shorts would be standard attire, even at the fanciest place. True. But apparently they did not want to see chef John's knees. And upper calves. I mean, I can't imagine why not. You have yeah, fantastic I, calves. You really do. You, you, your calves. Man. I'm yeah. not a vain man, but I'm proud of my legs. Yeah, um, so anyway, yeah. So talk about, uh, you know, better to be lucky than, than smart. Or is that the same? Lucky than good? Uh, but anyway, lucky our, than good. <laughs> my, my fashion dysfunction turned into the one of the best meals we've ever had and best uh, locations for a meal ever. Yeah, and, and, then, and the envy, the envy quality of that, right? Oh. The, the, yeah, the all quotient, ten of them. The it was, quotient, yeah, all ten of the other food bloggers at one point or another kind of came down to make sure I was okay. They felt bad, and then all of a sudden they went from sympathy to just pure envy and just yes. visceral jealousy. And hey, I hope you choke on that cropper. <laughs> um, and of course, they had a few cocktails by then, as Michelle and I did. And then the last course, 
I, that's still my favorite memory of that meal. Uh, we were so full, as you can imagine, like a seven course meal at Commander's Palace, you would be, especially at the chef's table. You're not, they're not giving you, right. you're getting that, all not getting the tasting extras. menu portions. You're getting like, that's a half a, you know, half a pig on your plate. So anyway, she's like, oh, time for dessert. We're like, you know, uh, we would love, can maybe just one, she said, we have this, this, names for seven things. Maybe just a half of one of the, oh, the cheesecake. It takes takes four days to make. We make the cheese. Anyway, she she's she kind of laughs. She's like, uh, first of all, no dessert's not an option. Uh, one portion is certainly not an option. And she brought over a tray of all the desserts. And we had to take, like, with the chef watching, one bite at least of each. Amazing. But anyway, that, just, that, that New Orleans food culture, uh, there's, if things are done a certain way, and whether you want dessert or not, if you're at the chef's table at Commander's Palace, you you will be having dessert. But here's the question. Yes. Um, was there any tiramisu? There was no, whoa. <laughs> Michelle, was no, there was not. I had to think about it because there were so many different desserts and they weren't all like, you know, Southern desserts. It was like a, a very eclectic mixture. There's a lot of them. Thank you, Chef John. I'm so happy that we're able to kind of get this thing off the ground and get started. Um, thank you to the audience who's joined in for us right now. And please come back next time because we will continue to deliver the goods for yes. all of you. So, Including why I had a pipe whipped cream into an ashtray one time. Absolutely. I want to know that one. So, all right. Thanks, Andrew. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. And thank you. And come on back to the Chef John podcast next time. Or else.